0: Welcome to the Utilizing AI podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, and we are here learning about uh, AI in the enterprise. I think you'll find that this podcast is a little different from some of the others because we're not so uh, you know, focused on the academic aspects. We're not going to talk about you know blah, blah, blah. We're going to talk about how, to, how, how AI gets real. So before we start, let me introduce uh, my co-host here today, Andy. Uh, tell us a little about yourself.
1: Sure. Thanks, Stephen. Um... I am Andy Thuray, T-H-U-R-A-I. And uh, funny enough, as uh, someone pointed out, I have AI in my last name, thanks to my parents. <laughs> um, so I'm the principal and uh, founder of uh, thefieldcto.com. That's thefieldcto.com. I'm an emerging tech strategist, uh, advisor, and uh, practitioner of uh, uh, emerging tech, particularly AI, ML, Edge, IoT, and cloud technologies. Glad
0: to be on the show. Thanks, Andy. And, again, I'm Stephen Foskett. Uh, I am the uh, founder of Gestalt IT and organizer of Tech Field Day. And um, you will find me online at S. Foskett uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, But for the purposes of this, you'll, of course, find us at utilizing-ai.com and on Twitter as utilizing underscore AI. So let's get the conversation started here um, and just talk about um, I guess the different ways that AI affects us. I think most people are uh, quite familiar with, uh, I guess, your Siri or your Google Assistant or Alexa or whoever, um, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about AI in, in business and in the enterprise and in the data center and the cloud and so on, basically having this stuff um, serve business, uh, business goals rather than than that. We're also not talking about what a lot of other AI podcasts talk about, which is basically um, academic stuff, things that you'd write papers and make posters about, uh, you know, models and, um, you know, doing calculations and so on. Um, (laughs) Okay, that was pretty funny. My Siri actually just introduced and said (laughs) said hello, uh, which I think is honestly maybe the perfect thing uh, to have happen in an AI podcast. (laughs)
1: <laughs> because you keep saying "serious," so <laughs> you're invoking the rights. <laughs> That's funny.
0: So, so, Andy, you and I were talking about this, um, the the whole world of AI and how it works and, um, and how it can come to the enterprise and what it can do. So, talk to me about that. How does AI get real in the enterprise?
1: So, a couple of quick points. Um, the first one I want to point out, even though you... Uh, said uh, Siri and Google and others, I don't have Siri, so it won't get involved here, but uh, uh, that actually, so what we are talking about there is what we call it as a B2C, uh, business to consumer, that uh, trying to enable the consumer, Alexa is another example, that'll try to do something for the consumer and trying to solve a problem of rather than me going to a, a website, logging in, do the search and things, trying to make the life easier of the consumers, right? Uh, so that's a B2C angle of it. But the, that particular topic, if I stay on that for a minute, the, the concept is called conversational AI, and that's more than the Alex and series or Google's of the world. Um, there are some classic examples that we have worked in the in the past. I'll give you one example uh, in a B2B scenario. Uh, you remember good old days that we call people up on the phone and wait for customer service for 30 minutes, right? So so some of the issues that came up with that is that, you know, the, the customer service uh, is overwhelmed by trying to solve the, whatever the problem you're having, could be minor on how many hours you're open or what, what hours you're addressed, whatever that may be, right? So by, by introducing this concept of conversational AI, could be a combination of either chatbot or even, you know, using the voice automated system talking to you or the whole nine yards it could help you in, in solving whatever the problem you have. Some companies have obviously taken it to the next level. For example, you know, uh, Uber and Lyft, if you're trying to use things, y- it's you won't even find a phone number to call their customer service. It's more about dealing with them all using um, chatbots or, or emails in combination there. That's all AI-based, right? So the conversational AI, what I'm trying to say, is a lot bigger than just your Siri and Google. Uh, there are a lot of ways it can help, that's one. <clears throat> And the second one is, um, this is a classic problem with some of the the financial institutions, particularly, or or regulated industries. When they receive hundreds of thousands of calls, um, they are expected or supposed to audit the calls that they receive. Remember when, when you call somebody, there's always a standard message saying that this call is being recorded. We will audit that, or we might audit that. And the reality of that is, they cannot have enough manpower they can put to listen to all the calls. That's almost impossible. And when the budget come, comes in, that's the first one they cut. So what they could do, instead of putting a manual power, to listen to that and see if everything is closure, they could always have AI listen to those calls. And, and the problematic ones, the 1%, 2% of the ones that need to be addressed or out of compliance or somebody promised that they are not supposed to, that could be flagged. And then, manual person can go um, and solve the problem. But overall, what I'm trying to say is, there's a difference between a research AI in which you are trying to do some kind of research and trying to make things better for the social good or whatnot. For example, COVID research is one thing. There may not even be monetary benefit, but the overall society cultural benefits that will come out of that might be something for the greater good. Uh, But that doesn't mean that you should be doing that. There's a time and place for that, or companies who are doing that. And then there are enterprise companies purely trying to solve enterprise problems, right? There's a laundry list of things that you could do using AI. And granted, AI is not at the level yet in which um, it could solve the customer problems directly. There are some other things we could uh, uh, get into detail, but uh, at least it has become what I call it as a cognitive assistance. It's assisting enterprises, or at least humans, to take a look at making a decision. Okay, AI suggests that you should be doing this. And yes, I agree with that. So when you have both uh, a machine and a man uh, make a decision, or a woman (laughs) make a decision, um, then it becomes a a solid decision-making process without trusting one or the other, because otherwise you could always question, right?
0: So, yeah, I think that's really the, the key to this whole thing right there is that essentially um, the way that AI is getting real is due to a number of factors. I mean, certainly there's the practical factor that we figured out how to do machine learning and deep learning and, you know, things like that. I mean, it, it, that, that works. Um, there's also the, the fact that I think that we, we've stopped looking at it sort of in a science fiction way. To say this thing is going to be, you know, uh, you know, Skynet, and it's going to come kill us all. Well, I guess we still look at that in science fiction, but in 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 Enterprise, I think what we're looking at is exactly what you said, which is basically humans have limited bandwidth, uh, limited pattern matching capabilities, uh, limited time, um, and AI can help us do what we do better. And to me, that's like the fundamental. Um, thing here, like, so if we're talking about, you know, ML ops or AI Ops, whatever you wanna call it, um, we're really talking about something that helps us do what we do more efficiently and do it better, right?
1: Exactly, I mean, that's the key, right? Um, do what you do at, at uh, in a more efficient manner. Um, for example, you, you mentioned about the fact that uh, human limitations, uh, the human brain power is also a limitation. Uh, the problem is even when human collaborate, it's collection of individual brains that works together, but then it takes time to develop things. But when you put a machine at it, especially particularly when you have like a ton of volume of uh, data situation, petabytes of data, terabytes of data even, uh, <clears throat> when you put that in front of a computer, the computer takes a lot less time to either look at the patterns or get insights or analyze or even build models based on that. Can that be done using human brains? Sure. I mean, there are companies still even today do the models, uh, you know, using the good old tools, the BI. Even some companies actually still use spreadsheet. Believe it or not, you know, and and that still works fine. So it all depends on you know whether or not it's becoming a problem for you. If if it's beyond the capacity of your folks can solve who are trying to do it now, then you might have to start thinking about. Some kind of assisting technologies. AI yeah, could be one. There are other, you know, finer um, insights technologies as well. Everybody is an AI vendor nowadays, of course. But, but you know, you got to find the right thing to solve your problem.
0: That, that's actually another point I think that's important to make, and that's that um, you know we're calling this AI. You know, utilizing AI. Um, AI is bigger than machine learning. And I think that a lot of the time, especially today, people assume that ML equals AI and AI equals ML. and that's not entirely true. Um, you know I mean, I think that it's important to realize that many of the um, first successful artificial intelligence implementations were nothing more than expert systems which had um, you know things you know, kind of programmed into them. The most popular, by far, the most popular, AI based toy, and the most popular AI familiar to most people is that little 20 questions um, game. Um, essentially, um, you can do really remarkable things in um, using uh, you know, an expert system or a 20 questions kind of system. That's not ML at all, but it is AI. Yeah. And um, I think that, that we're gonna see increasingly that there are various forms that this technology is gonna take. I mean, already even in ML, there's various forms, right? I mean, I, I, I think that, that you've written a little bit about that as well, the fact that you know, not all ML is the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, so, so a couple of things on that. Um, talking about expert systems, um, or using AI as an applicable AI, things could be pretty simple. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I believe the name of the company is called Khan Academy uh they provide free resources for kids to prepare for college and school and other things and and i have my kids i basically force my kids to to use that right <laughs> rather than wasting time on video games one of the things i found out which is pretty interesting was uh it doesn't how should i put that? it doesn't categorize you because you're a kid going to a 10th grade in this geography, so you should get only this list of questions. It doesn't put you in that category. What it does is it, it bases things on your, your ability to interact with that, or at least what I found. And there are other systems, of course, I would find systems doing the same thing as well. So what it does is the system actually learns about you, right? And then you say, okay, I asked you this three set of questions or five or 10, based on your ability to answer i realize you are far advanced or far lower than the standard that i set up for the common public so i either amp up your question so i ask you something challenged i mean this is no different than for example you know my kids when they were um, my my kids are about to go to college now but uh, when they were in school um you know so they got placed into this advanced placement or whatever for for you know certain category of people, right? So even the regular schools, the teachers monitor the students based on their ability to execute, and then they place them in an advanced grouping mm-hmm. so you, you get moved to a different group to learn things that would challenge you. Otherwise, they'll get boring. So you could use expert systems to do a similar thing. Don't ask the same exact questions um, or try and, people in the same way, uh, you know, use different set of questions. But if you do that, then it also becomes an issue of sort of profiling as well. So if you uh, test 10 people, if you give eight people same question, give one of them very advanced question and one of them very low advanced or lower level uh, than the normal questions, how do you justify that? That becomes an issue. So that's where the the article that you and I were talking about, um, all things about transparency, ethical AI, uh, security, privacy, all of those things come into picture as well, whether or not you're allowed to profile an individual to do that. And just one more quick thought to finish off on that. Uh, <clears throat> AI is is more than ML, I agree, not only expert systems, but also this whole notion of, that we just talked about the conversational AI, natural language processing, speech recognition, text-to-speak conversion, all of those they don't necessarily fall under the ML category, but they are actually AI, right? So there are like broader categories: vision systems, speech systems, you know, and and machine learning to find insight from data, you know, those kind of different categories. But they all, for whatever reason, got grouped under AI.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that <laughs> th- thank you. I, I think that this is all um, basically things that we're going to be talking about. In our future uh, episodes, I mean, I, I think that everything we've mentioned here is something that we're going to be uh, doing an episode on um, in the future. Um, one more thing, actually, that I want to mm-hmm. bring up too, and it, you know, this goes to my background, is that um, you know, AI also has implications for operations and infrastructure. In other words, um, what we found is uh, that for the most part, you need specialized hardware. Um, maybe specialized architecture, you know, systems architecture, in order to make this stuff work. And for that reason, AI actually is coupled with advances in cloud computing, in yeah. server computing, and um, you know, functions as a service. Um, also, uh, you know, I mean, most of us are aware of the implications of using GPUs instead of CPUs for AI processing. Um, you know, uh, even um, Infrastructure choices. Uh, One of the things that uh, I've been really interested in as a more of an infrastructure guy is to see how um, systems architecture has changed and um, hyperconvergence and um, You know building scalable storage systems and high-performance storage systems um, building, you know, shareable uh, You know gpu infrastructure um, all that kind of stuff has come into this whole conversation and I think that that's another area that is important for our audience um, to think about um, not just what is and isn't ai and what can you do with ai but sort of how can you do ai like what makes sense and so you know you can have you know software as a service you could have functions as a service you could have you know a, a private or a hybrid cloud infrastructure you could have a hyper converged infrastructure you can have Um, Frankly, AI accelerators. I mean, one of the things that we're seeing is um, CPUs with uh, AI-specific instructions built into them. You know, we saw Intel announce that, Apple has that. Um, You know, and then there's the world of, you know, all these, uh, you know, GPU companies. Of course, NVIDIA is famous for it, but, uh, you know, a lot of other GPU uh, technology is being used for AI processing and ML processing specifically. Um, All of these things, I think, go into the conversation as well. So if we're gonna talk about how, you know, utilize means to make use of it. How are we gonna make use of technology? It's not just how do we apply it to the business, but it's also, how does it, how does it work? Like, what do we need to do it? And so from my perspective, uh, that's what I'd like to bring uh, to the podcast. So, you know, how I see it is, you know, basically me, uh, you know, kind of coming in from that perspective, like, like, well, how do we do this thing? You know, what do we, what do we need to, to, to implement? What do we need to buy? Um, what makes it practical? And uh, you know, folks like you, uh, basically uh, bringing in the uh, the higher level discussion of you know, sort of what is it, what can it do, how can it help improve the business, um, right? And I'm so, really uh, for that.
1: A, a quick point on that: you talked about the the components of You know, what what's used to to do the AI systems? Uh, some of that is, as you said, the GPU versus CPU and and highly scalable structure and whatnot. Um, there's a movement to put all these things together uh, that could cater to when it comes to AI, there are two parts to it. One is, you know, what you do to create what they call it as a models. So the model creation requires a really high power computing, right? And then there's model inference after it's created, the model will go to wherever you deploy it to the edges mostly. And then it'll look at it saying that, you know what, you ask me to find out when this happens, and this happens, kind of inference, kind of thing, right? So the inference hardware, or, or the performance of the computing, doesn't have to be that big. It could pretty much work anywhere if you architect it properly, or design it properly. But for the model creation, you need very high power computing. So there's a field called HPC, um, high performance computing, has become quite popular of late. Uh, there are about uh, between five to 10 companies that are doing it. Uh, some of them are better than the others. I don't wanna name names, but uh, if you look them up, that become the basis for for this high-powered model creations. Um, and having said that, the HPC doesn't have to be done all in cloud, even though a lot of the implementations are offered in public cloud or hosted environments. Uh, it could also be built in your private data center. I'll give you an example. Um, so there's this big, huge bank, who shall remain unnamed. Um, they uh, do the what they call it as a risk analysis of all of their business accounts almost every day, every single day. And the amount of data what they get to analyze the risk may be somewhat limited. At times it could be maybe megabytes or smaller amount, a few hundred megabytes per account. Uh, but the number of accounts is not small. We're talking about millions of accounts. And when you run risk analysis and recategorize them every night so they can make decisions on them, that's a ton of workload um, that they couldn't solve using their in- existing infrastructure that it, it takes almost, it starts to run the end of the business day from 5 or 6 o'clock and run through almost next morning, 6, 7 o'clock, the whole time it runs, create that. And if there's anything that goes wrong in that, that day is shot. So, so instead of continuing to use that because they are being a bank and they are a little bit uh, skeptical about moving things to the cloud, they built private high-performance cloud environment, HPC environment, using some of these components, and that overnight run of almost 11, 12 hours, they brought it down to under an hour to do the exact same thing. Right. So, It doesn't have to be in public cloud. Not everything has to be in public cloud. If, uh, for various reasons, you want to do a private instance in a public cloud, uh, your own instance, and or build it in your private data centers, sure, it might be a little more expensive, but if that's what you absolutely want, that's a possibility that's available too. I'm not saying that you and I will go and build it for them, but I'm saying they should consider those options.
0: And I really appreciate that, Andy, because that's actually another thing that I'd really like to get into the podcast as well as some of these more personal stories and you know kind of use case examples of how this technology is getting real. So um, how are companies using it? how can it be applied and how can it be, you know bring a real business benefit? Um, and I think that right there is really the goal of this whole um, you know this whole topic is uh, you know, uh, what is AI? <laughs> what is it not? Um, how does it work uh, You know, productively? What can it do for the business? How do we do it? How do we deploy it? How do we use it? And what are the benefits that companies are gonna be getting out of it? And I think all of these go to this whole concept of utilizing AI. And um, I, I really hope that folks will uh, be uh, joining us for future episodes and seeing how it is that we're going to, um, to utilize this technology. How are we gonna make AI real? So right. thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you, Andy, for uh, joining me for this great uh, conversation this morning. Um, those of you listening, please do subscribe and uh, rate and review the show. You can find it on uh, your favorite podcast uh, stations as Utilizing AI. You can also find us online utilizing-ai.com, uh, utilizing underscore AI on Twitter, because Twitter doesn't do dashes. And um, you, know, you can uh, uh, contact us as well if you'd like, just contact email host at utilizing-ai.com and we would love to hear from you. Please do share this uh, podcast and subscribe and uh, we look forward to having you join us for future episodes.